Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest, Mrs. Vita Kalor. Uh, Vita, how are you today? I am well, excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. It's a passion of mine to share mother's stories. Um, so I'm excited to hear yours. Before we dive into that, why don't you... Um, Tell my listeners a little bit about you before we could jump into the icebreaker round. Where do I start? So I'm a mother. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I also have a full-time job. And um, I do a lot of work in the community for, um, you know, within mental health and also with students and um, seniors. So I really, all my life, I've gone through a lot of different struggles. So through those struggles, I always told myself that once I get to a place that I can help others, it's going to be my responsibility to do so, so that others don't go through the things that I went to, uh, I went through, sure. um, if they don't have to. Um, what are the ages of your children? So I have a stepdaughter who's 26. Ooh. Yes, and I have a son, a biological son, who is 11. Wow, so that's probably a dynamic 26 and 11. For sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that could be like a whole separate podcast yes. of how to navigate <laughs> it that. It sure is. Yes. Um, okay, so 26 and 11, and talk a little bit about some of um, the work that you do in service and giving back. Um, I always kind of had the same mindset as well. Like, I was like, I'm not Bill Gates, I'm not Warren Buffett, so I can't donate a lot of money, but my time has always been something that's been important to me to donate and to give back. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I, I don't want to miss that moment, um, especially because you are local in the community of South Florida. So why don't you talk about some of the organizations you work with? Is it you are an organization, what you do? Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into the motherhood story. Absolutely. Great question. So I'm sitting on a lot of different boards within the Broward County. Um, one of them is the diversity committee for the Broward County School Board District. Wow. Um, through that committee, we actually make sure that all the schools are, you know, equally um, getting resources and make sure the equity of each school is done, you know, uh, taken into mind. Sure. Um, we go on school site visits to make sure that the schools are all equally uh, resourced. And um, it's a really huge uh, responsibility, which I love. Um, it's something that's close to me because of the, again, the struggles that I've gone through as a um, student that came in for, you know, through ESOL programs, mm -hmm. um, not being able to have English as my first language sure. and struggling through the school system because of that. So it's a big, um, you know, commitment for me. Another board that I sit on is the North Lauderdale um, Imagine Charter School. Oh, wow. And uh, it's been a great experience. It's different than, the, the you know, the school district in Broward County. Sure. But through that as well, we help a lot of the students and come up with different things that the school needs and resources and things like that. Um, what else? I sit on the, um, I'm part of the MWNA. Um, yeah board as well so that's really big for me as well because it's all about mental health and focuses on you know taking away that stigma that comes with mental health and my actual job is also in mental health okay I'm a center director for the Amen clinics in Hollywood um, and so you know mental health is just all around and being a mother you know, you really start to think about mental health in different ways, especially for children. And that's something that was always missing in my life. You know, my parents didn't really think about the mental health of me and my sister as, you know, children, because sure. they weren't thinking as, you know, oh, it's important for them. They were thinking for survival. I mean, I know. Absolutely. That's full, the word. Full disclosure. Um, we met at a MWNA, yes. which it stands for Mental Wellness Networking Alliance. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was blown away by the meeting in general and just blown away of how much I was going to be affected by it, not knowing. Um, 
But yeah, so we met that way. And um, you tell me that you were a mom and very passionate to want to speak on that. But I know one of your story or your story in, in talking about that is, yeah, you, you are what where are you from originally? I'm originally from Iran. Yes. Um, I was seven when we left Iran. So the story really is just to kind of give you a brief sure. um, background on that. Um, I was born in Iran. My mom was in the military. Um, she had a contract with them for about 15 years. She worked for about 18, I believe. And when she went in to say, hey, I want to retire, they were like, no, you can't retire. You're pretty much married to the military. Wow. So I remember exactly, it was a Monday when she came and told my dad about that. And he was like, okay, we need to leave the country. And we literally moved our entire life in two days without anybody in our family knowing that we were leaving. And that was really traumatic to me as a child because I was so close to my grandparents in Iran and the family and not being able to tell them that I'm leaving, not to be able to say goodbye or anything like that. It was really, really tough. But we moved to Germany and in Germany, of course, I had to learn a new language, new, you know, culture. Um, a lot of the places that they would kind of assign us to because we were asyli- asylum, mm-hmm. we were on an asylum, um, they were kind of send us to different parts of the country and little towns. And they were very, very prejudiced. And um, they would make sure that we knew we didn't belong there. So they burned down our house three oh times my with my mom, my sister, and me in it when my, my, my dad was at work. So it was really tough. And my dad was like, you know, we left Iran not to get killed, and here we are, and we're, yeah. you know, being hurt here. So we moved to America because he had a lot of his side of the family that lived here already. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they told him that, you know, they would take care of us and help us, and, yes, come down here. This is a good opportunity. So we moved here. And the second day that we were here, everything just changed. They started becoming very um, abusive, verbally, mentally, physically, um, separated all of us and just put us through this, you know, situation that we really didn't have to go through. Mm -hmm. And as a child that has gone through so many different changes and the journey that I had to take, I was scared. I was like, you know, I don't want to say anything to my parents about how my aunt is treating me. And I have to say, I don't call her my aunt anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But for, you know, for context purposes, for the context purposes, absolutely. So I was like, you know, I can't tell them what's going on because then, you know, it's I knew what struggles they've gone through as parents to get us here. I didn't want to put more pressure on them. So I kept my mouth shut. I took care of my sister, my younger sister. Um, the best that I could. And I kind of played that mother role at, what, 10 years old? Wow. You know, it's a big, big responsibility. And it was just really tough, the abuse that we had to go through. And I just didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So my mind was, okay, someday I'm going to get out of this. And when I do, first, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to take care of my child Mm -hmm. um, or children the best that I can, I will make sure that I'm protecting them the way that they need to be protected. And I'm also going to make sure that other kids and other um, families don't go through the things that I went through. So that's really a big part of why I do what I do and the things that I do. So no, that's, that's, uh, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. And I know we're going to touch base on it because then um, I want to talk about how it all relates to your motherhood journey, right? So how all that comes together, because you don't know how you're going to be a mother or a parent, you know, um, until you become a parent. Absolutely. And unpacking your own, which I know is a lot with the MWNA. So before we go there, because I feel like we can just dive into it, let's do my icebreaker run, because I always love doing this because um, I just love finding out these answers. So uh, do you have a favorite book? And or one you would like to recommend, because there could be two, right? One that you love to read, and then one that you're like, I want other people to read this. Absolutely. There is one book that I would recommend everybody to read, and I would say that you should read it every year mm-hmm. in January. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Alchemist. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, incredible book. I mean, just a journey that this person takes um, in this book is amazing. And every year when I read that story again, it just has a different meaning for me. So I think that's a really good book that everybody should read. Um, It's one of those that you can't put down. You know, you're reading and it's like, wow. And it really changes meaning for each person and their experiences that they've gone through in their life. Mm -hmm. So The Alchemist, 100%. Okay. What are the values that guide you and your family? (sighs) 
Well, definitely love. Um, but number one is God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guiding light that we have in our family is him. And we always kind of fall back to that um, whenever things don't go the way that we expect it to and when things are going the way that we want them to go. So God, number one, um, love, you know, truth and honesty and just being patient and understanding towards each other and accepting each other for who we are. And that's been a little difficult at times for some of us, um, especially with my parents, because in my culture, it's, you know, if you're a child, you have to keep your mouth shut and do whatever they, you know, whatever you're told. Sure. And you don't say anything to adults, even if you don't agree with it, mm-hmm. which now I know that's not the way you're supposed to do it. And of course, I teach my son to be that way. So I would say those are the most important um, that we follow. How has motherhood transformed you? Oh, my God. I get goosebumps. Um, I have to say, before I, I was a mother, um, we had this discussion with my, at the time, my boyfriend, mm-hmm. but now my husband. Um, he told me, he was like, you know, if you have a child, you're going to love them in a way that you never knew was possible. Because at that time, he already had a child. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For me, I was like, what are you talking about? I love my parents. I love my sister. I can't see anyone that I would love more than them. And he was like, just wait. And I was like, okay, I will. And then when I had my child, the moment that I realized it, he was in my stomach, I was like, wow. Um, and then the moment I saw him in person, it was incredible. It was a love that, and you can relate. Indescribable. It's really you can't describe it. No, no, no. It's it's something completely different, and you don't know what it is until you have it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's life changing. Life changing on so many levels. Perfect way to describe it. Life changing. Um, so it, I, you know, the podcast is called the Motherhood Village Podcast. Um, I truly believe it takes a village to raise a child, but as I say, it most importantly takes a village to uplift a mother. So who and what has been a part of your motherhood village? Before I answer that question, I want to tell you that's an incredible statement. Mm -hmm. And I never thought of it that way. I always thought, you know, yes, it takes a village to raise a child. But your statement of it takes a village to uplift a mother, that is so true. It's so, so true. Um, My village, I have to say, number one, has always been God. Mm -hmm. I mean, every need that I had, every... um, doubt that I had, I would go to him and he would make a way. And there was times that I just didn't see a way, but he would just somehow make it happen. Mm -hmm. So number one was him for sure. Um, Number two, of course, my husband, he's been, you know, on this journey with me and he's, even though he was a dad already, it was a new journey. It was just different. And I didn't understand that either. I was like, I, I don't get it. Like he's gone through this already. So why is it so different with this child? Um, but he's been there step by step. Um, the other three people that are huge in my village are my mother, my father, and my sister. They've been there every second of the way. I mean, they've supported me in whatever way I needed them to support me, um, supported my husband, and supported my son. And I couldn't have done it without them. That's I really awesome. couldn't. And what about any what? So I always say, and even when you listen to my intro of my podcast, I want this podcast to be part of your motherhood village because I I am truly um, so proud of the conversations I have had on here and the stories that I've shared. And I believe in my heart, they will resonate and have resonated with everyone. So what resources have you turned to for your motherhood village? Um, I mean, I love how you mentioned God as part of that, because I agree. I mean, he's kind of been my guiding light as well. Um, so that is probably even it's in itself a who and what, you know, right. aspect, depending on, you know, prayer and all of that. But Absolutely. any other resources, any books, any things that have kind of helped you in the 11 years? Because I'm sure when you start from day one, which we're going to talk about to now, and even being a stepmom and all of that, to kind of transition to where you are now, what have you kind of put in your toolbox? To be honest with you, it was very difficult mm-hmm. because I didn't know where to look for yes, resources. Yes. And at the time, you know, 10, 11 years ago, it was even harder um, to find resources out there. Mm-hmm. So my biggest resource was the people that were around me, my friends, um, co-workers that were mothers already, um, just point. asking them questions and seeing how were, you know, how were they handling certain situations. Sure. Um, turning to, you know, contacts that I had, you know, asking about things. Like one of the things that really... 
um, was big for me was when my son would get sick. I yes, would freak always, out. Yes. I, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't sleep. I would be up <laughs> all night. He, should, he would especially be Especially the first fever, especially if they're a baby or oh young. You're like, God. oh, my God. I know. Yes. Yes. So I would just sit up and not sleep all night. And my mom used to ask me, how do you stay up all night? It's okay. He has a fever. He'll be fine. I'm like, no, I need to make sure he's breathing. I need to make sure he's fine. So really just anybody sure. that I could go to. I love that. Um, and that'll jump into, I guess, the, the meat and potatoes of the conversation. So you talked about, um, which very um, impactful, I, I guess I will say, of, um, of your own youth, right? And having these traumatic and very impactful moments of your life. Um, and now fast forward. So I guess tie those two together because I want to ask what were some of the challenges you faced becoming a mom. As we said, you don't know how you're going to be a mom until you become a mom. So touch on that and maybe bring it together with what maybe you had to unpack with yourself and dealing with your own childhood trauma and the things that you had to go through. It's an incredibly important question. Um, And I think at the time I wasn't really thinking about it as a mother Mm -hmm. when I was going through those struggles and I kept thinking and don't get me wrong my parents have been incredible they're the best parents that I could have ever asked for um but at the time when I was going through those things I kept thinking you know why why are they allowing us to be in this situation why are they not standing up or saying you know we don't want our kids to be treated this way or we don't want them to be in this situation until I had my son when I had my son, one of the biggest um, challenges that I went through is leaving him in somebody else's hand while I had to go to school and I had to go to work. That was the, the hardest thing I ever had to do is yes. trusting that this person will be able to take care of my child. Yes. Um, and not hurt them or, you know, God forbid. Or do even something. be there or whether whether nefarious or whether um, on purpose or not of making sure that they're going to put the right amount of time and attention that you would. If Absolutely. Not even more because you would think that it's not mine. So you got to even be more. But to me, yes, that is. And for the mothers that have to go back to work immediately. I know that could be a whole so other thing, but it's so difficult. But go yes. ahead. And just that feeling of guilt, you know, like how why why did you have a child if you're not going to be able to take care of it yourself? Like how, you know, I know. So that was a big challenge. Um, but mm-hmm. I, it was at that moment that I realized why, what my parents had to go through. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to leave us with these people that didn't care about us. But at the same time, that's the only option that they had. Mm-hmm. So I'm here, I'm faced with the same kind of situation, but I did have a little bit more, um, I guess, options because I could choose and I could interview people. Um, before I agreed to leave my child with them. But they didn't have that opportunity. Sure. So I think that's something that I would say um, was a challenge for sure. Was a challenge for sure. So you had also mentioned um, in your story, in in, in the first part before we got into the icebreak, around how the trauma of your childhood and understanding. So I guess, actually, no, let me go back to when did it click? And like you said, you, you, you know, when you become a mom, then you're like, oh, wait, now I get it. Now I have to leave my children. I know for me, I ask my mom all the time. I'm like, how the heck did you do this? Um, and she's like, well, just kind of had to do it. <clears throat> but even more so in your situation, because, you know, you're leaving your home country, everything you know, to then come to another country and then all of the um, um, roadblocks and, and things that you had to go through. When did it hit for you after you became a mom? or have you even had the conversation with your parents or your mom to say, Hey, I get it. Or maybe have your own questions with them. Like with this, did you, have you had that or how, and if you did, how was that? It was very difficult. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult. I actually had that conversation a couple of times. The first time was when my son was really, really young. Mm -hmm. And I asked that question. I said, mom, how could you, you know, not, how could you be okay with what happened? And she asked me, what do you mean? And for the first time, I actually told her what actually happened. And she wasn't aware of it at all. Like one of the things that we went through while we were staying with this person that I used to call my aunt um, was that she would not give us any food. Like we had we were hungry all the time, me and my sister. And she had three sons 
and they would come and they would eat whatever they want. They had cereal, they had this and that, and you know we couldn't eat any of and it. And at this time, your parents were working, so they didn't see what was going they on. They weren't even living with us. They oh, had separated right. us. Yes. So they had no idea what was going on. They yeah. thought, you know, she's taking care of us. Sure. So when I told my mom about this, she was like, what? What do you mean? And I told her, I said, mom, she would never feed us. And in school, we didn't even get money to go to school and eat lunch. So the kids that were in my class and my sister's class, they were like, if you're hungry, you don't have money for lunch. It's okay because the school will give you peanut butter and jelly at the time. Yes. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yes. Oh, my God. That was like the best thing ever. And I, I was like, how can I get more of this? I can take it home later for later. But wow. obviously I couldn't. But that's how, you know, we dealt with it. And my mom's like, I, I had no idea. Why didn't you tell me? I would have done whatever I could to get money for you to be able to take care of you and your sister. And I said, because I was scared. I was scared of telling you this. And how is this going to change? Are we going to move again to another country? I have to learn a new language, a new culture. Um, so that was the first time. And I was coming more from a place of blaming and accusing uh, rather than understanding. So... Later on, a few years after, um, I had the conversation again with her, and I apologized to her. Yeah. And I said, Mom, I know we had this conversation before, but I want to apologize because the first time it came off more of an accusatory yeah. conversation, and I was blaming you. And now as a mother and the responsibilities that I have, I realize that you did nothing wrong. You Your did best. the best that you could sure. at that time. Because... Again, as mothers, our best is different in different years or different situations. For sure. And that's something I want mothers to remember is don't get upset with yourself or don't feel guilty about what you're going through as a mother or what you have to do for your child mm -hmm. because it changes. Every situation is going to be different. Mm -hmm. So at that time, that was the best that she could do sure. is keep her mouth shut, not say anything because she thought that was the best thing sure. to do. And to your point, but in, even in her defense with it, she didn't know the whole scope of the situation. Exactly. So she could only do what she could do as far as the separation. Obviously, I would imagine she didn't want to be. Exactly. And now you're understanding like, oh, wow. I Yeah, when they came, they were like, well, we're kind of stuck with what we have to do. So they're saying separate for whatever reason, then let's do it. I can only pray and hope that they are probably it's not even registering her mind that it could possibly go down the way it did at all um so i i would imagine that then you have almost a sense of like gosh i can imagine now as a mom how she feels to hear this from her daughter yes my mom and i had that um i went through a lot of postpartum anxiety after my son was born completely unexpected because i just don't i just didn't have that and something just like flipped the switch on once my son was born. Um, and it's interesting, and, I, and I've said this a couple times, I wonder if it has something to do with being in corporate, um, where just the level of just a lot of things just unpacking at one time, and I just kept saying, sure, I could handle this. I've handled teams. I've been under pressure. I mean, I've worked in a lot of um, high-pressure, let's-get-it-done, figure-it-out environment. So I'm like, this is, of course, I can do this. And as we know, it's a completely different thing. Absolutely. Um, so I had this with my mom when she found out I was suffering from that, a lot of postpartum. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? And she had so much guilt with herself of looking back and be like, I knew there was something, but I wanted to give you yep. space. Yep. I didn't know whatever. And then I felt like a, you know, a POS, a piece of you know what, of being like, dang, I should have. But I was like, Ma, I didn't know how to even talk about what I was feeling because I didn't even know what I was exactly. feeling you know um so I'm sure your mother had a lot of that as well for sure absolutely a lot of it and you know I felt bad about it you yes, know of course and I, again we we don't understand that yeah. either yet because our kids are young that's true I when know, I they get the chills yeah, yes when they get to our age and they go through the things that they go through I'm sure we're gonna get some pointers that we didn't understand or understand right now. Oh, my mom still says a lot of those things to me. She's like, just wait till even he's a little bit older. Yes. <laughs> I hear that all the time. Yeah. All the time. But can we touch back on that postpartum depression? Yes, please. Depression, anxiety, all of it. Yes. Yeah. It was exactly how you said it. I went through the same thing. The difference was, I, I don't know if you knew that you were going through it. I had no idea. Not until later on. The difference, and I'll let you go back to it. I am a very introspective person. Um, it's a gift and a curse. Um, it's a beautiful thing because if I am in a, 
um, in a conflict with someone or something, I'm always like, okay, well, what's my responsibility in this? I I, I just am. Even if someone, I did nothing, I'm like, okay, well, why did they feel they could do that? Like, I'm very into that. But it took time, and I had to really sit with myself and going back to your God, you know, really having that relationship of really praying and saying, okay, look, I'm, I'm struggling here. I, I, you got to help me make sense of this. Like yes. what is going on? So go ahead. So that's kind of where it was for me. Same exact thing for me. I was going through the postpartum depression immediately as soon as my son came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like that light switch turned yeah. on. It was, com- I, my whole entire feelings and emotions yeah. were completely different. I was so excited to have a child yes. But I was so depressed and scared and anxiety about this life that I'm supposed to protect and know how to take care of this thing. Um, But it it just, I don't know, it was just kind of dark. I don't know how to describe it. It was, again, happy time because I had this child and I was so excited about being a mom. But the depression was holding me back. And I was just not myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't feeling my normal self. And I didn't understand until I want to say five years maybe into it where I literally did what you said. Um, I went back and I was just thinking about every situation, every moment. um, And I started to realize, and I I don't remember, somebody said something about postpartum depression. I was like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And when I researched it, I was like, wow, that's what I was going through. Yeah. Um, how come the doctor didn't talk to me about it? And that's the thing. Why didn't the doctor talk to us about yes, that? I know. And they don't. And actually, to your point, because remember my, not remember, because um, whoever's listening, my son, he'll be five in November. So there is a six-year age gap between our two children. That's a big difference. There's a big difference between moms that I know that, you know, had their, that their children are, like my sister, my sister, my niece will be three years old. There's a difference between my my son and my niece, and that's right. only a two year difference. Absolutely. Um, so we have to remember you're talking about 11 years ago. I think we knew about it and things that come up, but it's still not as prevalent. I think with social media, that's been the blessing of social media. Absolutely. Um, there's the flip side. I think can also bring on more anxiety because yes. then you compare. So it's it's a very yes. topsy turvy thing. But to your point, yeah, that's my biggest um, gripes with the formal. Um, medical system, I guess you can say. Um, I had a home birth. I had a midwife, and I was very oh, fortunate nice. to have that and to go that route for myself. Um, very safe, and I mean, I did all the research and all of that. And um, my husband's aunt is a registered nurse midwife in the Caribbean, very for like thirty years. So when we decided this was the journey we wanted to take, we had a very in-depth conversation, answering all the questions and all the things. Um, but I say all that to say, my midwife was so. I mean, I had her number. I knew about, and even crazy enough, even though I knew, I just didn't think it can happen to me. So there is a difference. So I knew of what postpartum depression was. I think the anxiety and fear aspect completely came left field. I thought I was more going to be like how you were kind of describing like depressed. I wasn't really depressed. I was just always scared. I was always scared I was going to be judged. I didn't want to go out in public with my son for fear of people judging me. Wow. Um, and so for like the first few months I didn't, I remember I went to a mama and me meetup and I was like freaking out because I thought if he was crying and I couldn't control him, that they were going to look at me like, girl, can control your child. Um, so it was that, that was my level. But remember, I'm thinking just depression. Right. I'm thinking like, but I'm not depressed. I'm just in fear all the time. Um, but to go back to your point of why don't they? So my midwife, I had all of that knowledge and I wish that there would be a way that our, I believe women should birth, um, should birth however they want, you know, full disclosure, that was the right journey for me. Um, but if you are going to go that route, then have a provider who is telling you all of the things right. up front. Right. If you're experiencing this, if you're experiencing that, this may happen. So to your point, I don't know why, but I feel like it's a travesty um, because it's crazy that in 2022, we're still talking about this. It's interesting you say that because a lot of times I realize, and I, I'm in healthcare. So for me, it's very surprising because one, uh, one of the things my son had to go through is surgery. Mm-hmm. And when he was doing had his surgery, they went through a bunch of stuff that they said, Oh, you know, you anticipate this, this, and yeah. this. Well, the next day he had a fever and I was freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, he has an infection. Something's wrong. Sure. And when I called the office, they were like, oh, it's expected because he went under anesthesia. Well, why didn't you tell me this? 
you know, the other thing. first time mother, yes. I'm going to freak out even more sure. because I'm, you know, it's the first time I've ever experienced this. So yeah. I really believe, again, being in healthcare, I believe in informed consent. Yes. And I feel like there's times that we fail in healthcare to provide that for yes. people. 100%. 100%. And obviously that could be a whole different conversation Absolutely. of what needs to be done and what should be changed. And yeah, um, but one of the reasons in doing what I do is because I was like, all right, well, if not everyone can get the same experience I did as far as my birth aspect of it and having a birth team, like my, I had two midwives, I had a doula, like I had such a supportive team. Um, then let me try and uplift by having these conversations so women can know that there are other options. And yes. I 100%, I believe in informed consent. I believe in a woman's right to say, well, let me do my own research and right. find out what works for me. Um, so let's go back a little bit. So after your son was born, because I know um, these were one of the, the things that um, you wanted to discuss, how did the lifestyle change and what was that like? So you're going through the, the postpartum and I would imagine at some point, did you kind of deal with it? Were you going through the motions and you just, it kind of, you just went with it? I was going through the motions and I was just dealing with it and I was dealing with it in silence. I wasn't speaking up because I was afraid of being judged. Yes. Um, and again, from my culture, just from my culture alone, you know, mothers did everything for their kids and they just kept their mouth shut and did what they, they had going. to do and they just kept going. Um, so for me, it was really difficult to be able to have a conversation with my family, my mom or my grandma at the time and say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. So I kept it a lot to myself and I went through it in silence. Um, my sister was somebody that was close to me and I would kind of speak to her about it, but again, she wasn't a mother. So she really didn't understand, um, to the level that she, I sure. would have wanted her to understand maybe. Um, but she also tried really hard to help me and, you know, get information for me, but and at least just, you had an outlet, I guess, in that. So you had I some did, outlet. I yeah. did. And I was blessed in that way. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was so difficult. You went through the motion. So then how does it come with the lifestyle? Because I struggled with that. So the lifestyle was yeah. before my child, I was very selfish, <laughs> very selfish. It was all about me. Yes. What food I want to eat, what movie I want to watch, when what do, do I want to do? Yeah. yeah. Where do I want to do it? Yeah. Um, are we going on vacation? When my child came, it was like, oh, no, no, everything's about him. Yeah. What does he need? What, you know, where do you take him? Um, you know, what do you have to do to make sure that he's growing up, you know, mm -hmm. well? Yes. So that was difficult um, because I was still trying to be selfish, but still be a mom. And it wasn't working. It wasn't working out. No. So I had a really quick um, rude awakening that, you know, no, you can't do that. So I, again, that was another reason I started to become more depressed um, because I didn't understand why can't I be a mom and also think about myself. Um, now, when I think back at it, it wasn't that I was being selfish. I should have taken care of myself and my son, because if I took care of myself, I would have been able to take care of my son even better. 100%. Um, but I didn't. I yeah. was that depressed mom who was overweight. And wondering about what you didn't have as opposed to saying, okay, let me focus on what I can and then do what I can for myself at this moment. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, when you, you know, just had a child, you've already gained weight. Yes. So now you're like starting to think other people are judging me. I'll never forget the first conversation I had about my weight. I was already in my head every day, like, oh my God, I gained weight. I need to lose weight. Yeah. I need to lose weight. I look horrible. Is my husband looking at me like, oh, she gained weight. And he never did anything or said anything that made me feel it's that way. Our own insecurities. But it was all yes. my own insecurity. And I remember I went to my sister-in-law's house. And she came to me and she, I guess she came to me from a, a good place, but I just took it as, oh my God. She was like, hey, you know, you just had a baby. Make sure you wear those body suits that keep everything tight and in. And I was like, oh, she knows I'm fat. Like she's judging me. And that was it. That made me more, more depressed, more isolated. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere anymore. I didn't want to go to family functions. So that would start a fight with my husband that, you know, you always want to go to family functions because I'm always like, you know, all about family. Yeah. And now I don't want to go. But I wasn't speaking to him. I wasn't telling him how I feel. And that's another thing that mothers I was do gonna a ask lot. You. Yes. We keep it to ourselves and we're like, we're in this alone. Yes, some mothers are because they're single mothers. Yes. But 
some mothers aren't. They have a partner and, you know, they kind of push the partner out, which is what I was doing. And that's not fair to them. So I wasn't speaking up. And that was something that it was very difficult. How did you, how did you, um, I guess, rectify that with your partner? I experienced that. And actually, it's one of the main things I, I stress on here. And actually, one of the reasons why I did want to start my podcast is because of how the dynamic changed between me and my husband. I thought we checked all the boxes. Like, we dated five years before we even got married. Like, we got married on our fifth year, like, dating anniversary. Right. Um, it took him a while to <laughs> settle down, but I was the one. You um, did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we traveled, like we just checked all of the boxes of, okay, we're good. Of what that you should, right. do, you know, get to know each other. Like we yep. live together, like all of these things. And then my son came and it was just <laughs> like, whoa. Um, and to your point, it wasn't fair to him. Uh, like I resented him for a lot. Yes, and I, I did too. I see that that comes up a lot with yes. dynamics with moms. Um, what helped me was, again, because I, I am very like, okay, something's off. I, I need to talk about it. I would tell him, I'm like, look, I am resenting you right now. But I also know it's not your fault that you can go on your friend's bachelor party chirping um, eight months pregnant. Like our, ours even started during my pregnancy. Because I was like, oh, he gets to go on a bachelor trip, you know, and he's fine with it. Why would you leave your wife, you know? Um, but it's not hit, you know. Yes how can I stop him? Uh, it goes back to the unconditional yes. love. Like I should be like, no, go have fun. But I'm like, no. Um, then the baby came, same, same kind of thing. And I was like, Hey, but it's, he doesn't know how I'm feeling. So I had to really open up and tell him like, look, this is this, but I know it's not your fault, but I do need you to show that you're appreciating me because when I have to get up at those in the middle of the night feedings, because we have discussed of breastfeeding our son, that was our choice, but you're sleeping it makes me very angry. Yep. Like I yep. had to be yep. aware of that and be like, just letting you know and put yourself in my shoes. If you're getting up and doing all of this and then the next morning you get up and you're like, oh, I'm tired. I didn't sleep well. And I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? Exactly. So talk about your experience and how did it rectify? How did it kind of come together for you? Because it took us a long time. Yes, it did for us as well. Resentment was big. Like yeah. I was resenting him very much. How How is it that he's able to go to work but I'm stuck home taking care of the baby. And how dare he leave me here by myself with the baby? What hap- What if something happens and I don't know what to do? And he's already an experienced dad. Like, you know, unfair. Yeah. Very unfair. Um, but I think what really made a difference in me was the fact that in my culture, again, mm-hmm. I go back to this culture thing over and over again, is I was told, keep your mouth shut. You don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You don't say how you feel. Your feelings do not matter. Yeah, And so I would keep it to myself, you know. Um, one of the things that was really a big deal to me was when my son was born, my daughter surprised me, my stepdaughter surprised me, and she came that day that my son was born. And because she was there, and she was young at the time, I don't even remember how old she was, but she was young. Probably 15. Cause she yeah, told, yeah, 15, yeah. 14, 15. Yeah. Um, my husband was like, okay, she's here. I'm going to go home and make sure that she's good and everything. And I was like, how dare he leave me in the hospital by myself? Yeah. But now when I think about it, I'm like, of course, that was my daughter. Like she needed to be taken care of too. But at the time that, that wasn't, you know, in my head. Um, so the way that we kind of got over that is when I finally started to um, network more with other mothers mm. and I started talking and you know started listening more than talking what they were saying and what they were going through and as I'm listening to other mothers talk about their story I'm starting to think well you know you should have done this and you should have done that and I'm like well, why why didn't I do that yeah. why didn't I speak up so I did I tried it and I sat him down and we're, I'm like listen I feel a little overwhelmed yeah. um, I have to wake up in the middle of the night and feed the baby and you're sleeping or I worry about the baby because the baby has a fever and you're like, it's okay. And you go to sleep and I'm here up all night, not going to sleep. You should be up here with me. And, um, <laughs> he was like, well, you're being a little unrealistic. Yeah. Um, the I know truth, when the truth comes out and you're like, yeah. yeah, I was like, how dare you think I'm unrealistic? I'm not, this is the truth. Like this is the reality. And he's like, but it's not kids get sick it's okay. As long as we've taken him to the doctor and the doctor says everything's okay, it's okay. You can go to sleep. You're giving him medicine. You can go to sleep. So 
that kind of started the conversation yeah. and it allowed me. And of course, he was also willing to be that person that made it comfortable for me to be able to open up and speak That's awesome. about things that weren't um, so nice to him. Sure. You know, get to hear on his side. Exactly. I always, I, well, not always, but this had come up and I said it at, um, I, I started a motherhood support group, which I was super proud That's to awesome. do because after having my son, I remember being like, well, where are the support groups? After I went back to work. Yep. 10 a.m., 11 a.m. And I'm like, I am working. Like, where are these support groups? So I had always said when I got the opportunity to do whatever, I was going to do one. And I am so thankful. The first one was just this past Thursday. They'll be at one every month and hopefully till indefinitely. Just a safe space for moms to come together to talk. And we had a beautiful group. We had moms who have grandchildren. You know, one of my colleagues, she came and she loved it. And it was a release for her. And that's awesome. She's 60 something years old. And and for her to see that. And then we had new moms who were like ready to pop. So beautiful. But I say all that to say I had mentioned it there. Um, we went on a vacation back in March. Long story short, I was still on my rigid routine, um, which we I know a lot of moms, like we have this, you know, rigid routine thing, but it just is what it is with yeah. me. And I had started resenting him, which I hadn't resented for a while because, um, you know, I was working through it and understanding. But this particular trip, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law came with us. So he was going out with my brother-in-law to go have a couple of drinks. And he'd be okay. like, you want to come? And I'm like, well, I got to get him. Ba- like, what? In hindsight, I can look back and say I should have probably said, can my mother-in-law hand? Like, I, there could have been things. Right. But I didn't. I just kept, and I'm like, oh. And we're, again, just the stress. Yep. Very, it was a stressful trip. Um, so it, this was March. I just talked to him about it, I think, last month. And I was like, look, I need to, like, I need to really unpack this because I'm still upset. And he's like, about what? <laughs> and I'm like, well. I love how we keep yeah, those. You know, stuff. and he's like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> so I'm like, well, we went in March. And he's like, oh, boy. So anyway, I came out, and he's like, okay. And I'm like. You know, I just felt like you just went out and I was still on the schedule. And he's like, almost like the unrealistic. He's like, but why? We are on vacation. He's like, if he is hungry, my son is now four and he speaks very well, you know. (laughs) He'll say it. (laughs) He's like, he will say it. He's like, you know, you know the way I get on vacations. I don't, that's my decompressed mode. That is my time to not think about everything. Not do the normal. So he's like, so basically he's like, so gotta work you know what does that have to do with me um and then I I spoke on some other things I'm like okay that's understandable but then I also would have liked this and he was like okay that's fair like that's kind of like our dynamic now but that was some truth I needed to hear and I was like okay damn why am I still so rigid on a vacation (laughs) like why couldn't I just let it go and be like all right if he doesn't take a bath we'll wash him tomorrow like why does it have to that's a no-no right yeah that was a no-no yeah but we just yeah it's like just a no like you have to so I'm like well I couldn't like we are on vacation why couldn't just be like you know what I'll deal with it tomorrow let me go have a drink with my husband so that was just some truth where he had to say (laughs) yeah like but why and I'm like all right well we're heading up on another trip in two weeks we go on the west coast of Florida and I'm making a promise to myself to kind of, it's only for a few days, but to really just kind of enjoy it and not be so worried. You know, he'll catch up on sleep. He's for, you know, he'll tell me when he's hungry, just pack all the snacks and deal with it when I have to deal with it. It's going to be hard though. I'm telling you, I'm going to warn you, but you have to get through that. you got to break through that and just go through the heart because it's not normal for you. I know because I went through it. Yeah. But again, that whole bath thing, like I had to give him a bath every day. Oh yes. And when we were on vacation, my husband's like, that's okay. He can take a shower, you know, bath in the morning. I'm like, no, he has to do it now. And of course that puts anxiety on the child. Yes. That puts anxiety on your husband. That puts anxiety on you. And the whole thing is going to go to hell because you don't want to do that either. And and, and I think actually you made a good point there too, thinking the anxiety in the child of vacations are supposed to have fun memories and none. That's the whole point of a vacation, not necessarily yes. structured. So to the mamas out there, it's okay Absolutely. to let it go. I will make a promise that in two weeks I'll try to, what's the meme of being the fun <laughs> mom or fun <laughs> woman I used to be before my son came, which goes, I with, like that. Which, yes. Which goes into a segue into the next question. <laughs> what did you find was the most surprising thing that changed for you after you had your son? I know we've talked about a lot, but what was one thing that you were like, oh, wow, I, di- I didn't really expect that me being selfish and Mm -hmm. having to put that aside it was like 
wow, like I literally have to think about someone else before I think about myself. Yeah. I didn't realize how selfish I was at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one thing that I want to mention is that sure. as a mother, there are so many situations that will happen and come up that it will change you piece by piece. Mm. And like you said before, I'm not the same person I was before I had the baby, even though I like to think that I am. I'm really not. No, and it's okay to be with that. And it's okay. I had to let that go. Um, I really mourned and grieved the person I was I beforehand. I like that thought, yeah. I really had yes. to say, I mourned yes. and grieved the relationship my husband and I had. I didn't wow. realize that was going to affect me. Um, and I had to really mourn and grieve and stay with it of who I was and understanding like it's okay, like it's just not going to be the same again. And I have to be okay with that. Maybe that's what I was feeling at the time. Right, it's 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 grief, and I didn't get it. I have I've dealt with a lot of death in my life. I've actually been married before. I married um, um, my high school boyfriend, and we were divorced at like twenty three, twenty four, which is a big impactful thing right. to happen right. at a young age. Absolutely, um, I had to grieve that. So grief is something I've I've felt, um, which is why it's, I guess it's easy for me to recognize yes. it. Um, but I did, I had wow. to, I'm like, it's a grieving process. But again, and I guess I can answer my question with that. I think that's what surprised me because I also didn't expect that. We think we're prepared for it. We think we've traveled, whatever it is that we've done. We're like, okay, I've done enough of it. I've bought enough shoes, bought enough yeah. things that I don't need more when my child. <laughs> no. But you don't realize how encompassing having a child is yes. until you have it. Do you feel, and then we'll go back into my, my list of questions, but a little off here. Do you think social media... Well, you're 11 years, so social media wasn't, okay, I'll frame it this way. From you being a mother then, you're still, your son is only 11, so you're, right. you're approaching the, the tween years. What has it been navigating social media? Do you turn it off? Do you compare to other, like, has that added to any stress levels for you? Like, what has that oh, been yes. like for you? Definitely. Yeah. Goes back to the whole judging myself again. Yeah. You know, I see parents posting pictures of their vacation and yes. how they're doing all of these things with their kids and then I judge myself and like oh my god why can't I do this for my kid you know and I really had to look at myself and say pause pause that for a second yeah go back to what you told your mother she was doing the best that she could at the time yes like one of the things that I judge myself on um is you know his education I'm like, why, why can't I put him in a, in a private school? Like I should be putting him in a private school. He should be going. And then I'm like, but I didn't go to a private school and I did really well. So why am I judging yes. again about, you know, not being able to put him in a private school? But the thing that helped me in every one of those situations, again, was that God, um, you know, hundred percent, you know, idea, I guess, um, is that I keep going back to God, you know, I want to do this for my child and I want to do this for my family, but I'm not financially in a place to be able to do that. And that's okay. And that's okay because this is what you want for him at this time. So a lot of the decisions that I, and I have to tell you, I love God always, but my relationship with God changed when I became a mother. Um, I went through a really dark time, again, the postpartum depression, and it just turned into this really, really dark place where I really haven't talked about this a lot, um, but I think it's important for mothers to hear this. Um, and I'm hoping that through this, sure. it will help somebody else. Um, there was a period of three months that when my son was, I, I want to say about five, um, where I, I couldn't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I was so scared that something would happen to him. Um, if I went to sleep and then some, what if something happened to me in my sleep and then he didn't have a mom anymore. So I would stay up for three months, like 24 hours and I, it it would drain me. And then during the day I would go to school and I couldn't focus. I was exhausted. I was, you know, very irritable. I was tired. I was angry. Um, again, resenting my husband that he's not feeling the way I feel. And he used to always tell me like, why do you do that? Go to sleep. Like, why are you so worried? Why are you anxious? And I would get angry that he's asking me that. Sure. Like, how dare like, you, you ask me? <laughs> yeah, you should just know. Um, but I say all that to to say, it's, you know, in that moment, I found God. Mm-hmm. And through that experience, um, 
where I would sit on the couch in my living room and I would cry at night saying, you know, am I ever going to be my normal self again? Is that ever going to happen? I literally would have these conversations with God and I would say, you know, is that ever going to happen? And I didn't think it was going to. And one day, you know, it did. It just transformed everything. And I think, again, when you go back to, you know, your God um, and whatever support system anybody else has, it just kind of grounds you again. A hundred percent it does. And I think in those dark times, um, it it helps you kind of rise. It uplifts you from there. Absolutely. And I I will say um, what has gotten me through those times of being like, of comparing or I'm less than or why aren't I doing this and why are they there in whatever aspect I always kind of go back and I'm like look my parents did it in the 80s without me I think we'll be okay I do I go back to it I'm like goodness gracious like they that. survived a lot that's true like I try and like really bring yes. it down in perspective and I'm yes. like eh, I think we'll be okay just in any aspect because I've been there like everything you say I'm like oh, oh my god I've been there um let's kind of wind this down um any other final thoughts um, in kind of maybe, you know, anything that anything else that you want to want to say that you feel really resonated or should resonate? We've had a very powerful conversation. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing your story in that way. But any thank any you. other final thoughts? As mothers, don't be so judgmental of yourself. You're already being judged by so many other people. Um, don't judge yourself so hard. Understand that you're doing the best that you can at that moment. Um be happy and proud of that and understand that even with multiple children, if you had your first one, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. With the second one, you might not do X, Y, and Z. You might do something different. Every situation and every child is different. And with every child, you will play a different role. So remember that and understand that it's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel tired and, yes. um, you know, just stressed. Mm-hmm. But speak up yes, and talk about what you're going through. And sometimes when you're talking about it, you kind of figure it out yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I like that to be in that emotion and be like, okay, let me, let me say what it is. And now let's figure out how to fix it. Exactly. So powerful. Thank you so much Vita for coming on. Thank you so much for having me and um, continued blessings to you for love and light. You as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the motherhood village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.